Hey guys, welcome to CMY. Uh, I'm Christian. We've got Mark and Yaniel on the line. Um, today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. So we're all fans of Matt Day and we saw that he was talking about his switch over to Leica. Uh, he just got an SL2, uh, which I, from what I understood, some of his followers were very upset about because he's known as a, a film shooter or someone that, you know, I, I, I don't know what the big thing is about well, people not allowing you to shoot digital or film or one or the other. But anyway, he switched over to, to fully Leica. He, he sold his Canon gear. Um, so he wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I did the same thing. And Mark and Yaniel have, have done similar things as well. Um, so we think it's an interesting topic. One of the things he touched on, it's not just that it's not a film camera, it's that an SL2 is not a cheap camera. Even not by full frame standards, not by anything. And they asked him, and, it's, and I like this response to it. Somebody told him, like, this is not, your audience isn't really the target market for this camera. And he said, I'm not here to sell you a camera. I'm here to talk about what I shoot and what I like. Mm -hmm. like it's not for everybody, but it's still interesting to hear his perspective on the camera. Even, yeah. if you, even if you can't afford something, it's still interesting to learn about it. I can't afford a Ferrari, but I still love watching Ferrari videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. Totally, yeah. totally. Um, and I think that it's funny because I often describe, because like if I go to a client's house and they ask me like, oh, what is that? Like, I've never heard of that. Or some people do know and they're like, oh, like I see you shoot with a Leica. Uh, I often describe it as a Ferrari of cameras for a reason, you know, um, to me, the quality is unmatched. The usability is unmatched. Um, and on top of everything, and I think this is really what sold me was the community, the community, the Leica community has been really supportive of me and my business. Um, the Leica store here in Miami has been awesome to me. And, and honestly, the reason that this show even exists is because of our love for Leica. That's how we met. So uh, that, that's really been an integral part of, of why I switched over from, from my previous uh, camera system to, to Leica. That's yeah. true. We met on Instagram probably because of Leica. Mm -hmm. And then you met Mark at the Leica store for the... Phil Penman. For yeah. Phil Penman yeah, event. Phil, yes. Phil Penman yeah. did an event. There. Sitting back there on the, on the shelf somewhere, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Lakers have brought us together, which I didn't even think about. I never thought about it either, yeah. It didn't feel that way. But it, it, it's funny you, you mentioned, like, people are upset. Because I, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Because, you know, as a fan of Matt Day, I've kind of watched him and just say, okay, whatever he's into, it kind of, you know, I'm, I'm – I, I'm interested in his perspective as a photographer, not so much as like a film shooter or as a Leica shooter or as this. I mean, he's reviews a reviewed a bunch of cameras from Fuji to Leica to Canon to this and that. So it's interesting hearing that because I probably just didn't pay much attention to it. Um, but it, it tells you something a little bit about what social media has done to, I think, camera brand loyalty, right? And and, and trends and everything like that. I mean, we, I think we talked about it a couple of times like in person or just over WhatsApp or something about like <laughs> Matt Day has probably single-handedly released a big part of, of, of his influence on the popularity of the Leica M6, which I think at least we've we've all owned at some point in time. It can probably be attributed to, to his videos, right? Because of his 
I guess, uh, fervent love for the camera and, and, you know, constantly posting about it. I mean, I, I for one learned more about it from him after I got mine, but it seemed like everybody's not picking up M6s or trying to find an M6. And, you know, yeah. since I got mine, the prices damn near doubled. So, it, but it tells you something a little bit about the social media or social, you know, aspect of, of camera brand loyalty and everything and, and what that's like. It's very culty these days, right? Um, and culty not because of... Just a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, before, you, if you think about like, you know, last episode we talked about where we came from and what brands, I mean, we all kind of started in the Canon Nikon world because they were just kind of like, it's like the Honda and Toyota of the world. And, you know, uh, you look at it nowadays, you have like the Sony fanboys, you have the Canon fanboys who are kind of a little bit they, you know, behind the times almost, right? Um, and, and, you know, people that are like files and then people that are, you know, Fuji files and so on. And it, there seems to be this, you know, trend of like being gung-ho about your camera brand rather than just, you know, what makes you happy or what does the job for you. Um, and I think that's one thing that's interesting about, I think, Christian's perspective that I've seen is that, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, you can buy XYZ camera that's going to be cheaper or better or do more. But I don't think that stops Christian from doing really good work from, you know, I mean, you can check out his Instagram and all the work. Like, so it's, it's, it's less about the brand alone and what makes it work for you, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I personally shoot with, couple different brands of cameras or I have shot with a couple different brands. I'm kind of settled on two right now. Uh, but I think it does say a lot about, you know, what's happening in the camera world because of the internet, because of social media. So. I think that it, 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 I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I think that since I've switched to Leica, the brand has been, I've been, you know, I think that it's really easy to call Leica files, fanboys and whatever. And, uh, and I've seen it all and I've read it all. And it's funny and it's a lot of it's true, you know, but it's for a reason, you know, it's for a reason because I haven't found a machine like the Leica that has allowed me to completely diminish the, the, what's the word? Let's see. Mm. I don't know. I just, it allows me to, to focus on what I'm doing and not so much like the contraption that's in my hand, you know, uh, it allows me to be more present. It kind of pushes out distractions, uh, because it's so simple. It's such a simple, it's such a simple camera. It doesn't, sometimes I tell people, you know, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles like a Sony does, for example, which I've shot before. And even the new, uh, the new Canon stuff that's coming out looks like it's going to be, you know, up there in terms of tech, but, but Leica just kind of brings all that down to this really simplistic, take the photo and that's it, you know, and that's really important to me. And as a, as a documentarian and a wedding photographer and a, and a people photographer, it really makes all the difference in the world to capture the moment and not so much be worried about like fidgeting around with what's in your hand, you know? So, I think for you, you probably came into this level of Leica use at the right time. Because up to now, they really weren't that, they were always good, but they weren't what I would consider a camera I would want to use professionally. The SL2 is a huge improvement over the SL. And before the SL, there really wasn't any other option. The S medium format cameras have 
I think now they're pretty good, but before, like, it was usable up to, like, maybe ISO 800, ISO 400. The M's before the yeah, M10s. Yeah, it, like, wasn't a Hasselblad or a Phase 1 or anything. The M9 with the CCD sensor had no high ISO performance. Mm-hmm. The M240, when it came out, the sensor was already behind what the other people were making. The M10 was better. And now with the, the R that's coming out, that's actually a really good sensor currently. So Leica's finally putting out products that are really well designed. And the technology's up there and catching up with, I think, with other brands and as good. Like you're not, apart from the actual hit to your pocketbook, you're not being hampered by going with a Leica compared to a Canon or a Nikon or a Sony. Right. Like you're still going to get a very good technology experience. Correct. While getting the Leica experience behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my first digital Leica was the M10, the original M10, not the M10P. I still have it and it's still my favorite camera. It's actually sitting right behind me right here. Um, and that, my very first Leica, however, was the Leica M3, which is a film camera. And that when I started shooting with the M3 is really what drew me into the simplicity of it all. And then I pretty much about a month or two after got the M10 and that camera still to this day, unless it's for actual work, doesn't leave my hand. I like, I love shooting with my M10 so much and it really creates an ex- a user experience like no other. And there's a reason that Matt Day is obsessed with his M6 and there's a reason that Joe Greer is obsessed with his M6 and there's a reason that Henry Cartier-Bresson shot with his M3, you know? Um, and, and that's talking about that. That's another thing that kind of really drew me into the whole thing was the history behind everything. You have these legends, absolute legends and monsters in, in photography and, and people that have documented the most important uh, moments in, in the world's history using a Leica. And that is, that's something to be said about the brand and, and, and the usability of the camera. Yeah. Well, I, so my perspective on it is slightly different. I mean, I agree with that, right? I think there's, there's a couple of aspects of photography and, and, you know, whether you're doing it professionally or you're doing it for fun is, you know, one is, Hey, what makes you want to pick it up? Right. It's like, what makes you want to drive that Ferrari? What makes you want to jump in your car and, and look for the drive in it versus just like, Hey, I'm going to, to the grocery store. I don't care what it is. It can be a Toyota or it can be a bicycle. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect. I think that Leica definitely brings, I mean, you know, I, I've kind of grown fond of buying a camera, not just because of what the technology is in it, but it's something that will like make me like looking at it, make me want to pick it up, make me want to use it. I think that's important. I think, you know, again, as somebody who has been in technology, works in that field, so to speak, I, I can't ignore the technology aspects of it. And I was actually going to bring up a prime example of what Neil was talking about earlier is, is the Q and the Q2, right? Those are phenomenal cameras. I mean, you know, phenomenal cameras for modern digital cameras. And yes, they're expensive because they're like this, but, you know, I have not met, besides myself probably, a person that dislikes or is, hasn't really, and I don't dislike the camera. So let me, let me clarify that. But I've not met a person that said, you know what, this camera's trash. It's, it's garbage. I'm never going to use it. it. It's not worth the money. I think every review I've seen online, everybody that actually has had one, you know, I had a, a Q1 for a while and just, you know, I, I decided to keep an X, X100V that I had instead. Um, it, it's, I, I think, you know, Leica is doing the right thing by adopting some of the technology in the places that it matters. But 
but keeping you know their their purest cameras like the M, right? I mean, I I think the experience of shooting with an M is what makes you kind of think back to the Cartier Bressons, think back to the purest element of what Leica is and has and you know the history and everything like that. And mm-hmm. it's also just fun, more fun to shoot with. It's more engaging. I think the last episode I mentioned something about driving like a manual transmission car and like yeah it's not you can't shift as fast as like modern transmissions but it's still more fun to to roll you in gears right stepping on the clutch and everything rather than just having everything do it for you so i think it's not one or the other um i think you you know everybody has to kind of weigh what it is i mean i've seen a lot of people that have you know i mean person is a perfect example you have an sl2 that is kind of like your primary and i think the q2 or your primary kind of uh, you know, yeah. work cameras, right? Your, your workhorse cameras, but you will shoot with the M when you can. And, you know, that's also your personal camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, gone are the days anymore where, you know, you bought, this was your one investment in a digital camera and that was it. You used it for everything because, you know, cameras can do so much and the different, you know, nuances to all the different types of cameras out there now. Well, that's so, a perfect, that's kind of, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, what you said about, I kind of forgot exactly what you said, but about uh, shooting quickly or something like that. Matt Day, in his video, he mentions, so when I have to, when I just need to do some really quick shooting and I need to shoot something really fast, I'm like, oh, go pick up his SL2. No, I pick up my M6. That's what I'm fastest with. I pick up my M6 and I'm here like, it takes me 15 seconds to like take a photo with that thing because then we got the metering right. Oh, I turned the thing the wrong way because it's backwards. It's opposite of the modern Leicas. (laughs) Oh, let me get the aperture. Okay. Oh, I didn't wind it. Here we go. Oh, everything's gone. Forget this oh, photo. It's gone, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, he says that's his fastest camera. I'm like, I need to use mine more. Yeah. The, uh, like, I think that it's definitely, you have to put it into practice. And I'm sure he does on a daily. I do not use my M10 daily. Uh, but however, when I do, for example, when I travel, which I travel a lot for work, uh, I don't leave my hotel room without my M10 and by day two or three, it's already like automatic, you know, like I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just shooting. So it, it does take a little bit of effort at, at the beginning, but once you, once you get into the swing of it, it almost sometimes does become a little bit faster than autofocus. I mean, I've had lenses that even uh, I, I got, um, the Sigma 135, 1.8, I believe it was, or 1.4 maybe for for the L mount, and I tried it on on the SL2, and I had to return it because it's horrible. Like I, like the autofocus was just like search, 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 and then the moment's gone, and it was like, okay, so what am I gonna do with that? <laughs> like I can't shoot a wedding with something that's gonna take forever to find focus, whereas like. I, so what I do now is I just have my M10 on me on a side bag. And if I need to shoot a little bit longer, I have my 90 on there, which is my favorite lens to shoot on my M10. And I just pull it out, find the focus and shoot. And it's like instant. There's no searching. There's no back and forth. Like it's, it's literally just instant. Yeah. I love how everybody is so different. Like your favorite lens to shoot on your M is your 90. Mine is the 28, and I'm like, I wish I had something wider. I wish I had like a 21 or a 24, <laughs> just so I would never have to focus. Meanwhile, you're here focusing a 90 millimeter at a wedding. 
Yeah. Gold Christian. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I have a Mac, I have a 1.4 times magnifier <laughs> on the on the rangefinder. <laughs> if not, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to. I, I mean, it's just like the the frame lines would be like super tiny with the 28 millimeter taking up. This thing doesn't even have 28 millimeter frame lines. It's like the entire yeah. viewfinder. <laughs> the M6 I still does, have bro. trouble focusing that thing. Yeah. The M6 does. Yeah. So, so it, it, I guess by now we've established that we all shoot some kind of like a, um, we kind of know Christians, I guess to an extent we can touch back on it, but how, how, you know, how do you get into Leicas? Like, where did that come from? And, you know, what was, you know, again, last episode we talked about our journey to photography, but how do you get to Leica? Like what, what made you buy your first Leica and, and so on and so forth? So Leica for me was always kind of the end game. Like, I like, when it, I appreciate well-crafted things, handmade things, Leather not for things. like a, obviously, but made in America things, stuff like that. I've always been a fan of just craftsmanship and photo-wise, Leica is that craftsmanship. It's, it's the one camera that everybody, when they pick it up, they're like, wow, this thing is heavy. Oh my, is this brass? Wow. And they were, in my opinion, and it's still my opinion, they're stupidly expensive. And when I got into it, Mark was actually there that day. We went to the Leica store here in Miami and we bought one. I put on a credit card with 0% interest for 12 months, which was nice. And I thought I was spending, well, I did spend ridiculous amounts of money on this. But when you look back to what Leica has done, I, I guess through tariffs and just inflation and yeah. rising, like the price is going up for whatever reason the past few years. My original Leica M cost me $6,000, which is a ridiculous amount of money for a mechanical camera. But I got the M262, a 50 millimeter F2.4, which is actually right here, this little thing, the Samaritan, a flash and a bag for $6,000. I'm pretty sure the M10 body by itself right now costs more than $6,000. Or it about is that much. Just under eight thousand dollars. No, just that's under. the that's the R though, no? No, I'm pretty no, sure it's R like R seven is almost something. nine. Yeah, the R is like eighty three hundred, eighty seven hundred there about, or maybe the P is eighty yeah. Yeah, but they're, after they're taxes and everything, astronomically they're expensive. Yeah. So I sold that flash to I think Care or MPB or one of those websites for I wanna say nearly three hundred dollars. The bag is sitting in my closet. The lens is worth like fifteen hundred bucks. And they discontinued so, it. And they discontinued so, it now. So it's a collector's item. If anybody wants to buy it, I'll only sell it to you for <laughs> three times the price. <laughs> but I effectively paid under $4,000 for a brand new M-Body, which yeah. thinking back on it, it's it's a deal. Like if, if an M10 was under, it was that price right now, I would jump on it in a heartbeat without thinking about it. Yeah. But the yeah. prices keep on going up. Yeah, hell, you, you can't even buy. They came out with the what the ME, uh, which is basically the two forty, which is similar yeah, enough to two sixty two, and that was like they still made like four such grand. a little. They made such a little quantity of that camera that it was almost impossible to get your hands on. Yeah, and but I'm I saying even, it, even even then you're still buying a modern, meaning in what twenty nineteen whenever they came out, maybe twenty eighteen, and you're still paying close four grand, maybe. I, yeah, I don't it was like forty five hundred, so. I think. Yeah, so you know that that's a good point. I mean. Yeah, I mean, oh, uh, Leicas are funny like that. So The ironic yeah. part about the M262, it's the stripped-down M240. 
so it doesn't have video and it doesn't have live view. But now you got the M10, which costs, I guess, eight, almost $8,000. And it doesn't have video either. It yeah. does have live view, but I never used it. And if you actually want to use it properly, you have to buy a really expensive viewfinder for it. So the stripped down version just became kind of the normal version in the future. Right. And yeah. it was still that much cheaper, like less than half the price of what, or about half the price of what a current Leica costs. Yeah. It was, if I had to do it again today and buy an M10, I, I will still be shooting my Fuji. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. It sucks that, that unfortunately things cost the way they do. Um, it's something that's hard to sell to other photographers. I mean, I've had photographers tell me I'm crazy. I've had photographers tell me like, you know, it's just like, what do you think? Like, why would you do that? This is, you know, every other wedding photographer shoots Canon or Nikon. Why would you even think about putting that much money into a camera that's just for work and it's going to get banged up and like at weddings and what if someone spills a, their wine on it and whatever, like, and I thought about all those things, <laughs> but you're talking about like, if I'm, I'm at weddings, I mean, pre COVID, I was at a wedding every single weekend, maybe sometimes two weddings a weekend. And so that's a lot of time with a camera in my hand. And I just wanted the experience to be that much more exciting for me. Uh, not to mention the fact that when I walk into a wedding with a Leica, people notice, people notice. People that know, they notice. And that, that helps my brand, that helps my company. Um, and that helps my, my overall, you know, my, my overall branding. Like, wow, he shoots with the absolute best camera. Like the images you're gonna get out of that camera are so good. Uh, they're so clean and, and well-rounded and the tonality and the color just out of camera looks stunning. Um, I mean, my filter, my preset is barely a preset. Like if you look at my HSL, it's almost on the middle because, and, and I can't say the same when I shot other brands. And yeah. so Mark, you were there when I bought my first Leica and you thought I was crazy. But now <laughs> insane. you have, yeah, insane. Yeah. But now you have a few yourself. So what happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. So I was actually at the store with him. Um, he went to look at it and, you know, it, it, I think, you know, we, we, we use these analogies to kind of describe where we say, all right, it's like the Ferrari, this is that. And, you know, like everybody that sees a Ferrari knows it's money. And that's kind of all most people know. They don't know, like, again, the craftsmanship, the experience or anything like that. I mean, you know, so I think that's what it is. Right. I mean, I, and if you look at the way most people evaluate those situations, like what is the value of that experience to me? Or do I know enough about it? And then how much does it cost? And typically you don't know enough about the experience and what it is before you start evaluating it from cost. So that was my perspective. And I was like, all right, I, I've started out buying a camera that costs like five, 600 bucks. And that was a lot of money to me. Um, and I didn't really know or appreciate what it was. And, you know, I think what ended up happening with me is that, you know, and I said this earlier, right. I, I've been focused more on the technology side of things. So like, you know, to me, it's like, if it doesn't have eye autofocus, it doesn't have, have all these crazy cool things that are on basically filling out spec sheets. My, my question was like, why would you buy it? Um, and I remember, you know, using, you know, uh, two six M two six two a couple of times, like, you know, after you had, it, I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like it's, it's just different you know, it's, it's not just, you know, point and shoot and, you know, 
fire off a bunch of shots or anything. And I think I started appreciating and learning more just by osmosis about like of the brand, you know, that particular camera, you know, the build quality and everything like that. And then also the experience. I mean, I really started getting into shooting manual lenses more when I got into mirrorless. So I think that helped me appreciate the experience of shooting fully manual and, and, you know, again, using the manual transmission type of analogy. Um, That's a whole other thing about like a, like a whole other step to it with the lenses and like how you can use them and how many cameras you can use them on. Like I can use my M lenses on all of my cameras basically. Yeah. So, So. you know, there's a whole, it's kind of hard to put into words and like describe like, okay, well, here's what I mean. It it eventually became a thing where it's like, I understood what the rage is about and it was less about still to some extent the money and more like, okay, well, I like this experience, you know, I want to try it out and everything. And that's exactly what I did. Right. So you bought that camera, the 262 in what, 2012? Um, no, no. 2016. Oh, shoot. Is that, is that, I thought it was early. Man. So, all right, 2016. No, so I, I, had I had absolutely no money in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, man, I was like, no wonder it was a lot of money. But in any case, yeah. So I got mine in 2019, 18. Crap, I already forgot it. I think 19. it might have been just about a year. 19. So just about a year. 2019. Yeah, because I, I got it. I was in Chicago with it in June last year, and I got it a little bit before that. So um, I decided, like, look, you know, I, I've lost it after the idea of it I, i've convinced myself of the idea the notion of this is cool i, sh- I really want one I, I just would look at pictures of my love how the camera looked and i convinced myself to just give it a try i was like i bought a used uh n240 uh from uh mpd.com and i said well you know what if i don't like it i probably won't lose that much money on it so give it a shot and i mean ever since then like i i sh- it's probably the camera i use the most i, I do have a couple of the cameras a couple of the fuji cameras but it is a camera I enjoy using the most. It's probably, it's not the best quality, best performance out of all the cameras I have because again, the technology aspect of it, but it's definitely the most fun. And, you know, it, it's a toss up between desert island cameras is either the 240 and uh, my X100, whether it's an F4 or a V. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with that. It, it's a great camera it's it's fun to use I, I don't know if i personally can do it as my only camera that's been my struggle for the past couple of months trying to evaluate but we've been trying to help him with that yeah I, I just i just can't see myself without one though, throw right? that yeah, fuji yeah. out throw the fuji give it out up. just yeah just yeah. give it up but, yeah. so about the fuji though that's i have an x100t and it sits in my drawer i rarely ever use it but every time i go in there i see it i pick it up i'm like this thing is so nice it, yeah it gives me the same feeling that Leica does. Like, I, it's a yeah. really nice looking object and I want to go shoot with it. And I pick it I, up, I'll take like a photo of like a random object in the room and then I'll put it away. I'm like, cool. Yeah. We should add actually, because I think that's what, I mean, whether or not you said the Leica was kind of end game for you. For me, it was like, okay, a Fuji is like a modern interpretation of what a Leica could be, you know, give or take. I mean, and I, st- that's, I should have mentioned that earlier. Get That's actually what I started with, right? I started with an X100F back in maybe two, 2018. And I was like, man, this is great. I mean, again, it's not a true rangefinder, but, you know, the rangefinder offset viewfinder, the compact nature of the camera, the fixed lens, and just kind of keeping it simple was something I realized I'm like, I really, really enjoyed the heck out of that camera. And, you know, like, I, again, as a, as a testament to that, like, I, I sold my X100F, really realized that, like, that was a mistake. So now I have an X100V as well. 
but it's really, I think, what with the gateway, Fuji on a whole really was the gateway to like Lycus because it's probably the closest thing to, you know, the feel, the vibe, the emotion, whatever. I know it sounds kind I of see that. I can get it, right? You know, I think yeah. if you're going to take a Fuji subreddit or Fuji form or anything, everybody's like, so I bought a Fuji and which Leica should I buy? <laughs> like everybody gets a Fuji <laughs> and they're like, now I want the real yeah. rangefinder experience because yeah. Fuji has the fake rangefinder, like the digital cross whatever it's thing. It's not the same, man. It, you you yeah. pick up a it's Fuji not, and you don't have yeah. the weight, you don't have the weight to it. You don't have the, the like the, the usability of it. It's not the same. Like it yeah. looks the same. But you have classic Chrome, it's which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now classic, classic negative. What? Oh, classic, classic Chrome. Classic Chrome. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. dude, have you shot with like the, the black and white JPEGs out of the Q2? Like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's nothing nicer than Acros presets in a Fuji yeah. for black and white. Oh, yeah. man. I, I disagree. Like, that is what I'm, I spent hours in Lightroom making my like a black and white photos, like my straight out of camera JPEGs from my Fuji. Yeah. Those things right. are magical. The contrast, everything. The way yeah. that the actual JPEG knows what ISO you're shooting at and makes the grain appropriate for the ISO. Yeah. It, it's, it's less than just like, I'm, I, 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 it's funny you mentioned that. I, I, it's contextual. So I was reading an article about, it was a sit down with Fuji. It was like on Fuji Rumors website. I don't know if it got recommended to me. And they were talking about the work, you know, all the other presets that they have are kind of like, yeah, okay, we just do this thing with the color, but they're like, Acros, like, whoa, whoa, Acros is a special thing that they, special project that they had where it's not just, you know, do this, do this with highlights, do this with shadows and, you know, make it black and white. It's like this thing that they've really put a lot of effort into making. And it, it, it shows, I mean, Acros, I don't, I'm not a big black and white shooter, but every time I shoot Acros, I'm like, God, I was like, man, I, I mm-hmm. should just, Shooting black and white for everything because this is phenomenal. Yep. Talk to Alan Schaller about the M10 yeah. monochrome and then get back to me. Yeah, yeah, Imagine if you had a Fuji, how much better his work would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you guys have any questions about Leica or anything like that or switching over, I know it's a big investment. Um, I've been trying to like sell my friends on it, my photo- my other photography friends, my other um, you know, wedding photography friends. A lot of them think I'm crazy, but I, I'm happy to see that a lot more people are starting to realize that Leica is, is a viable option for them. Um, so if you guys have any questions, let us know in the comments below. Uh, you know, always feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, which we have a new Instagram. It's cmy.cast. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the description so you guys can follow us and give us a like. Um, yeah, subscribe. We'll be on when next week, guys. Yeah, we'll be yeah. on back. back We've been doing this like week. every week, so we're, we're doing good. Yeah. We're doing good. Yeah, we're, we're trying to stay consistent with it. So let's see what happens after COVID. Once we we actually like do things in our lives. I know, man. <laughs> we go out to, to go out to shoot. We're in Miami, so right currently today. What's today? July twenty first. Yeah, we are the current epicenter of the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. So we can't go anywhere, basically. Uh, we've been kind of stuck in the house. I haven't really been able to shoot too much, uh, especially like personal work. So, and I know that you guys haven't either, right? No, I don't. I mean, Mark shoots at home for the most part, which is amazing. Check out oh, his, his Instagram. Uh, yeah. That post you, you posted today was phenomenal, dude. That, that photo is like, I think maybe top three. 
top three. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just sit in the backyard watching the kids play. So, you know, spending enough time back there, it's like I'm starting to learn, like, <laughs> learn the light in my backyard. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. man. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back on soon. Cool. All right, guys. Take care.